1: this is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast. I'm Rich, no Jason, but we're going to continue our series here on the slam dunk contest NBA at 75 in conjunction with Fansided.com and the Step Back at Fansided.com. We have seen. The best of the best. We've seen 1988. We saw the duel of Dominique and Michael Jordan. And now it's going to all come crashing down, unfortunately. We're not going to, you know, thankfully with this series, we're only doing 10. So we're not going to painstakingly have to watch too many of these not-so-great dunk contests of the 90s. But we do have to dive into some of them because I think they are significant and important. And and this one in particular, the 1993 dunk contest that we're going to talk about here... Uh, is important because it does it, it 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 gives a radical transformation for what this thing used to be and what this thing is right now and what this thing would be really for the rest of its history and there's gonna be obviously some great dunkers that are gonna come in in and have great individual dunk contest performances and and people that would become stars that would have great dunk contest performances but this dunk contest to me more than any other before night And we are going to cover 1997 as well. Have to cover 1997 in the series. But to me, this one really signified, okay, there's a whole new game going on here in the dunk contest. And it's not that fun. It's not that exciting. And it's kind of the first time when you can really sense people looking around and going, mm, I don't know. What are we doing here? Like, what's going on with this competition? And does this competition have a history? Does this competition belong an All-Star Weekend anymore? Is it possible that we have, we have done it all and we have seen it all here in 1993? And obviously that would not be true. We would find that out many, many years later that that would not be the case, but this one does feel like the first time when really everybody starts to look around and go, okay, what the hell's the future of this contest look like? And that's why we are going to cover it. So uh, let's get into it. This is the 1993 Dunk Contest. Of course, thank you guys so much for listening to every other episode here of the NBA at 75. Numbers are very good for these, so you guys are clearly enjoying these. Right, I hope you are. If, if not, I suppose you could let us know. And Overback NBA or uh, at Overback NBA on, on, on Twitter, you can let us know if you don't like them. But um seems like you guys are, so we're going to keep them going. Because I've already, hey, I'm too far gone, man. I've already done all the notes. I've already done all the work. So, Sorry. You're going to get, like, a bunch more episodes, so. (laughs) Anyway, let's get to it. So this is the 1993 NBA Slam Dunk Contest. It was sold as a youth movement. The New Wave. A new generation of top-tier dunkers ready to take the mantle from your Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan types. When Wilkins won his final contest in 1990, it was the end of an era. The contest would undergo a radical transformation over the next two seasons that saw saw spectacle take center stage even more than it had in 1986 when Spud Webb won the competition. In 1991, D. Brown coupled Webb's, hey, look, a short guy is dunking style with branded flair as he got the crowd on his side by pumping up his Reebok pumps and finishing the competition by doing a no-look dunk. Brown defeated Kemp in a fun but largely disappointing competition. The next year, Cedric Sabalis used a blindfold to defeat Larry Johnson in the finals. Whether or not he could actually see out of that blindfold, who cares? It was fun, it was exciting, and it was a great way for the competition to continue to innovate and move forward now without top-tier stars. In 1993, though, the lack of star power was too obvious to ignore. Kemp, the competitor's lone star, withdrew due to injury. The remaining competitors were a decent blend of role players and rookies and And sure, the Dunks were still good, but the 1993 contest, more than any other in history at this point, had the look and feel of a concept losing its grip on basketball fans. There were more stars than ever in the NBA in 1993. Business was booming, yet the showcase event for All-Star Weekend is headlined by Clarence Weatherspoon and Harold Miner and Tim Perry and David Benoit. Call it a youth movement all you want. The dunk contest had a star problem. And no matter how many times you called Miner Baby Jordan... It doesn't make it true. The Competitors Clarence Weatherspoon Philadelphia's lottery prick rookie was a building block for the next great 76ers team. Julius Serving, he was not, but Weatherspoon showed a lot of promise in the early parts of his career. Harold Miner The man affectionately known as Baby Jordan because, well, he was bald and he dunked. A victim of expectations, Miner would join Jordan in winning two slam dunk contests, but uh, would not join him in becoming one of the greatest basketball players of all time because he would play only four years in the NBA. Tim Perry, traded to Philadelphia from Phoenix in the Charles Barkley trade. This is the second of Perry's three dunk contests. He never finished higher than fifth. Kenny Smith, the man who would later become famous for his commentary during the dunk contests, Smith is going to make history on this night becoming the first player to ever participate in the slam dunk and three-point contest in the same night. Damian Lillard would join him with the honor in 2014. David Benoit. The second-year Utah Jazz forward is a fan favorite in Salt Lake City, but at this time, nothing more than an accessory role player for the Jazz. Chris Jackson, the future Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, is arguably the best player in the competition this year as he was enjoying a career year in Denver. One caveat, he had never dunked in an NBA game before. Odd choice for a dunk contest. And then Cedric Sabalas, the defending champion, who won't be able to use props this year as the NBA attempted to get the contest... Quote, back to basics. No blindfolds, no chairs, just dunks, baby. The competition. We start off the competition with David Benoit. And let me tell you, no crowd has ever been this excited about David Benoit, but as the hometown representative, he is the favorite. His first dunk is a two-handed reverse. It got him a nice reaction, but unfortunately, a total score of 85.8 in the first round is not going to get him to the finals. All respect in the world to Kenny Smith for pulling double duty on this night. The former dunk contest participant, in 1990 and 1991, came out of the gates with an alley of 360. As mentioned, Chris Jackson had never dunked in an NBA game. Ever. And he's in the dunk contest. This isn't your father's dunk contest, folks. Now, how does this happen? Denver Nuggets president and general manager Bernie Bickerstaff sent a tape to the NBA of Jackson dunking during practice. I, didn't, I haven't seen the tape. You haven't seen the tape. Nobody's seen the tape. Unless, well, I guess, unless you worked in the NBA uh, offices in 1993, maybe you saw the tape. But I'm guessing that most of you, or all of us, or 99.99999% of people listening to this. And very likely 100 people have, have never seen this tape. And it must have been impressive because here he is. He's not going to last long, though. Jackson is going to bow out in the first round with a score of 80.8. Good enough for second to last. Then finally some energy as Harold Miner got the crowd going with a throwback to a classic Wilkins dunk, split-legged double-clutch reverse. Baby Jordan, nah, more like Baby Neek, man. Come on. Tim Perry, who would end up finishing with a pathetic first-round score of 70, does a basic up-and-under reverse dunk. Clarence Weatherspoon, an underrated dunker during the early part of his career, hit a really fun baseline windmill with a ton of power to get one of the first round's best scores. Channeling his inner Clyde Drexler... Cedric Stabalos decided to do pretty much the exact same dunk. Not advised. Didn't work for Drexler. Didn't work for uh, Stabalos here either. Uh, Benoit would follow with a two-handed windmill. At this point, the crowd, the announcers, and even the participants seem bored, tired, annoyed, or a combination of all three. The last part of the first round is among the worst dunk contesting you will ever see. Smith needed to grab the rim to complete his dunk. Jackson missed a windmill. Perry tried a free throw line dunk and missed it and then Jackson missed again. Once again, Miner saved things with an alley windmill. Thank God for Harold Miner. Perry missed his last attempt and is ready to walk off the court when he's told that he can attempt one more if he'd like. Perry motions as if he's going to call it a night, and he's done here, but then he does the most basic behind-the-head dunk you will ever see. Feel the excitement. Before the final round, TNT's Craig Sager interviews judges Connie Hawkins and Julius Irving and asks them... You know how would things improve how could they make this dunk contest better and hey would things improve if they had a replay monitor um i'm just gonna play the interview because it's pretty classic stuff here
0: where well, there was wilkins there was connie hawkins and julia serving and guys you're having a lot of fun but what are you looking for in these dunks well for me i'm looking for somebody that's being creative and uh, so far they haven't been real creative so far Hey, I think they need to spike it. I think they need to uh, have some charisma.
1: Uh, they need to obviously execute and show some degree of talent. They need to get the crowd involved. And on those on those timing dunks, it's necessary that you nail
0: it. You catch it in the right spot and that you nail it. I'm looking for the spike. Charles Barkley had a good point. Some of these are better on replay, too, guys. You guys don't have a monitor to see. Well, we're watching at the beginning on the replay. Um, I think you're seeing the same thing. But the guys are not really being that creative. Game. Just going
1: to the final round. Bob. I love that response by Connie Hawkins. Yeah, we see them. <laughs> they just stink. I love it. I uh, yeah, I'm seeing it. The replay doesn't look any different than what I'm seeing out there. These guys just stink. They're not good. Gotta do a little bit more. I, I love Julius giving legit thoughts there, and Connie Hawkins just being like, they stink. Let's get some more stuff going on here. Thankfully, things do ramp up in the final round. Weatherspoon will dazzle the crowd with a cradle dunk from behind the basket. Sabalos will hit a one-footed windmill and then Miner will bring the house down with a one-handed windmill that makes Detroit, Pistons, Legend, Isaiah Thomas yell, oh, Harold Miner is a bad boy. Miner is so far ahead at this point in the competition that no matter what Sabalas and Weatherspoon do, they cannot win. Both guys complete basic dunks. Miner does a beautiful one-handed 360 to cap off the night, and baby Jordan is your slam dunk champion. No. Harold Miner doesn't even need this dunk he's already wrapped it up so this is just gonna be an exhibition dunk from Harold Miner who's already won the championship last year when Sabalos had already clinched it he went to the blindfold All right, up, up. at the
0: Delta
1: Center in Salt Lake City. Now, where things get really dicey here is that if you take Harold Minor, if you take Harold Miner out of this competition, it may as well then post-practice workout at any college campus in America. Low effort, creatively devoid dunks. The NBA Slam Dunk Contest has seen better days. The next three years will feature several memorable moments, big wins, Fun dunks, exciting players, but the bloom, the bloom is undeniably off the rose. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the NBA at 75 dunk contest retrospective here at the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. That is 1993. And if you thought that was depressing, oh boy, wait for 1997, which is going to get very depressing. And that will be a fun episode because we will discuss how 1997 is so bad and how this the entire 90s kind of dragged this whole thing down to the point where the NBA is going to cancel the slam dunk contest. We'll get into all that and more in 1997. But want to, of course, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for supporting everything we do here at the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast at Over NBA over and back NBA.com if you want to support us the fan-sided, uh, the step back at fan-sided, fan where all these written components uh, of this series are available uh, for you as well uh, and then uh, make sure yeah, you rate, review and subscribe on your podcast app of choice we really do appreciate it I uh, hope you guys are enjoying these and hope you continue to enjoy them so uh, again like I said things are going to get a little more depressing so get used to that but then, oh, then we got 2,000 baby don't worry things are going to get back in a very big way but i hope you guys are enjoying these thank you so much for listening talk to you again next time take care